So, Father, we pray that you would bless us today. And, Lord, as we open up your word and we understand the things that you have brought into this world to give us through your son, Jesus, may we understand how divinely connected we are to this, Father. For Jesus is the head and we are the body. And, Lord, help us to be able to see the difference that your kingdom is supposed to make in the world. In the name of Jesus, amen. I wanted to begin by just going through some scriptures with you, and I'm going to talk through some of these scriptures before we actually come to our text today. Um, I, I am very thankful for what I get to belong to. I'm very thankful for the church of Jesus Christ. I'm very thankful that um, I am a part of his body and I have the opportunity to serve with you and to serve Jesus and to know the power of God that actually works through our life. It is quite an honor to be a part of that. When we were singing this song, sing all you citizens of heaven above. I mean, it, it was very special to me because when I was singing that song, I was just aware that I, I literally am the citizen of heaven. Like, like I, I imagine myself if I was in a foreign country and they started to play my national anthem, how proud I would be, you know, if they were playing that. And I would, it would draw my attention. It would draw my affections, especially if I'm in a foreign country, right? And here we are in a foreign country and they're playing an anthem about our home and our king and citizens of heaven worshiping. It just struck me like I want to give him that. I'm, I'm just thankful it's not a song to me. But it's a living Christ that I get to worship and the one to whom I belong. I want you to know that Jesus' kingdom has made an incredible difference in the world. Ever since he came and was born in that manger in Bethlehem, he has marched across humanity with incredible power and with incredible glory. I want you to consider the world and all that it has been and all that has been related to it. A world full of sin and weeping and sorrow. A world of curses and suffering. But this king, Jesus Christ, entered into this world to liberate people from their bondage, from their destruction, and from their death. The epistle of John, he records and writes this statement that Jesus Christ came into the earth to destroy the works of the devil. That, that was a mission of Jesus Christ, to destroy the works of the devil. Now, this is important because we're talking about the church of Jesus Christ, what we get to belong to. And when it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, that word destroy means to loose the bands, to undo shackles, to dissolve an authority. Anything that is bound or tied or joined together. Jesus Christ came to destroy that bond. To destroy that bondage. To destroy that captivity. He came to untie you. To loose you so that you could go free. As a matter of fact, God says through the prophet Isaiah. That I have annulled your covenant that you made with Satan. I've annulled it. I have destroyed it. And that's the contract, that's the binding legal agreement that Satan had with humanity. And God is prophesying through Isaiah, I am annulling that, I am dissolving it, 
So that you have no ties to Satan. That he has no authority to put you or manipulate you into bondage. I'm setting you free from that. This is the truth that sets men free. This is it. Not just so much saying a sinner's prayer and believing in Jesus, you can go to heaven when you die. But understanding what Jesus came to do, the truth, is what sets people free. There are multitudes. I I can remember preaching this message from Isaiah in, in many places around the world. And I would make that declaration and I would watch people who had made covenants with Satan because they were witches and they were, they were warlocks and they had made these vows to Satan and these marriage covenants with demons. And I would make these statements from Isaiah and literally people would begin to break with weeping and hope. Could it be that I don't have to listen to Satan anymore? That my covenant that I made with him is broken. And I watched multitudes of people go free throughout the earth when I would preach these things. And the truth of God would set them free. He came to destroy the works of Satan. The works of Satan is what Satan is employed to do. It's Satan's business. It's Satan's career to tie you up and to put you in bondage. And to cause you to suffer from addictions and sin and abuse and depression and despair and sickness. And that's Satan's work. And Jesus came to destroy that work off of your life and to set you free. Jesus said in his gospels that the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to do this. He was given divine authority and power to go into the earth to set people free. And so they would bring to Jesus the sick and the bound and the demon possessed and the lunatics. And the Bible says Jesus healed every one of them because that was his business to destroy Satan's business. Well, I just say to you, Satan is back in business and Jesus never quit his business The problem is the church didn't join Jesus's business. The church created its own business and wanted God to bless it. But God's not into blessing our business. He's into anointing what he gave Jesus the authority to do. And Jesus passed that authority on to the church. And when we realize that and recognize that, which I would say the church in America does not, and I would say many in First New Testament church do not know what that is. Even though I've been preaching this at 9 o'clock for about 8 weeks now, we still do not know. It takes a revelation of the Holy Spirit to engage us with the faith and the authority that God wants to give His church. This is the only thing that will turn Baton Rouge around. Even our sheriff has appealed to the churches in our community. We cannot do the job. We need you to pray and the church will not pray. We have our sheriff asking the churches to help him and the churches will not. How sad because we don't understand and we don't know and we cannot reckon upon it. The cities, the hospitals, the prisons, the dungeons, the graveyards, the factories, child slavery, human trafficking, sex shops and bars. The cold cruelty that's in men's hearts. The racism, the division, the anger, the famine, the ugliness, the loneliness, the pain and the calamity that is all over the world. Jesus stepped right into that 
to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to comfort those that mourn, and to give them beauty for ashes and joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The kingdom of God is the passion of Jesus Christ. I pray to God it would become our passion. But you can't make it your passion. The Spirit of God has to come upon our lives. And the Spirit of God has got to set our hearts on fire. Hebrews says that God makes his servants flames of fire. God wants to set us on fire. God wants us to have the kind of passion for his kingdom that Jesus had when Jesus was here. Jesus came and he brought that kingdom to earth. He was able to say, when he came, he was able to say, the kingdom of God is at hand. He even said to some that the kingdom of God is before you. And now the church of Jesus Christ is the manifestation of that kingdom. I'm not talking about kingdom dominion or kingdom theology, where the church is going to take over the world and Christianize the governments of the world and the peoples of the world, and then Jesus Christ can can come back. Jesus is going to establish peace when he returns to the earth. But wherever the church of God is, then the kingdom of God exists in the earth as a refuge for men wanting to get out of Satan's bondage to find freedom and relief and healing in life. That's the church of Jesus Christ. But we've made it into a social club rather than this this place where men who are desperate for life can find Jesus Christ. But over the centuries, there have been a few. There have been those that have had that revelation of the kingdom. Those that have had that revelation of the church. They've seen it. And they gladly gave their lives to the cause of the king. Suffering, if you will. Even the apostle Paul rose up and gave the mighty declaration. That if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then we suffer in vain. But if he is alive... Then our suffering is not in vain. And we are of all people most glad to suffer for the king. We count it an honor, Peter said, to be reproached for Jesus Christ. They had that revelation of the king and of the kingdom. And it was that group, the Bible says, that turned the world upside down. Would to God he would do it again. But it takes men and women who have the revelation of that. Jesus Brought his kingdom to earth and declared that he will remake this universe and he will remake this earth and he will fill the earth with his glory. And if you want to know what Christianity is, then you have to know the mind of the Christ that we follow. You have to know his mind, his heart, his desire. That's why the Bible says to us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. God has never changed his direction. He has never averted his purposes. He does not step aside to take care of the momentary and temporary issues that we want to devote ourselves to. God is marching through history to the exaltation of his son, Jesus Christ. And in those generations where people get revelation of this and they have the mind of Christ, they join God and the power of God is manifested in the earth. And principalities and powers bowed to this. They still do. It is still the hope of the world. Jesus sent his church into the world to demonstrate the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in power. 
It is in miracles. It is in wonder. You cannot separate the demonstration of God's supernatural from his kingdom. And when the church is kingdom minded, then the church is going to operate in that very power of God's spirit. Like Jesus Christ has authorized us to do and given of his spirit so that we might. Wherever the church went, the power of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of the gospel, the empires of darkness were banished. Wherever the church went in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel. That's a key element. Not just wherever the church went, but wherever the church went in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel, the powers of darkness were banished. Pagan civilizations beholden to demonic gods were set free and obliterated from their fear-stricken practices that they manipulated the people with. It was the kingdom of God that drove Poseidon from the ocean so that men could move about the earth fearlessly and with freedom. It was the kingdom of God that destroyed the fear of the gods, the enchanted forest, the magic and the occult. It was the great power of God manifested in the church that marched across this earth that caused these false demonic gods and manipulations to bow to Jesus Christ. And cultures were set free throughout Europe and throughout Africa and would jump the oceans and come to North America. It was the power of God that would do this. That power is not diminished, but the church is on a different track than the track that God is on. We can worry about our country. We can come into an election year in 2024 and hope for a political savior. It'll never happen. Only God and his kingdom can give hope to men. And we are that. We're the only thing the Holy Spirit has because he's chosen to operate through the church. The contribution of Christianity to the joy of living is unspeakable. Christianity has worked marvelously wherever it has gone in the Spirit's power. Not because it's so otherworldly, but because it is so human in its desire. When you look at Jesus Christ and he came to earth, he was so human in his desire. He cared for humans, he cared about their suffering. He cared about their heartache. He cared about their sin. He cared about their brokenness. He cared about their poverty and the compassions that welled up inside of him. And the spirit of God that rested on him did something about it. Let this mind be in you, beloved, that was in him. And that mind is the mind of the Holy Spirit. It is common sense. The way of Christ in the church, it's common sense. Nothing else makes sense. But Christianity makes sense. The way of forgiveness, the way of canceling debts, the way of salvation, the way of love. Christianity, it just makes sense. Nothing else does. But this just makes sense. The only power on earth to restore the value of God's image in man is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other good news to restore the image of God in man, but the gospel of Jesus Christ, the infinite worth of one single soul comes from the gospel of Jesus. 
Not just a desire to save the masses, but God's desire to save the one. Because the one is made in his image. The redemption of bad men is only found in the gospel of the kingdom. Every other religion, it's the good that work hard, that reach nirvana, or whatever you want to call it. But in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's the bad that make heaven. And the good that make hell. There's only one good, and that is God. Freedom from guilt and freedom from sin and freedom from tormenting demons all came from Jesus Christ. And that's still what people in this world need. And it only comes from Jesus Christ. The government of God has revolutionized the world. And that is the only civilization that is true. Every reformer and statesman and doctor and law enforcement agent have been set forth by the government of God. Even politics and government. Christianity has gone into the world and set before men the loving God. Not a loving God, the loving God. A glorious eternity. A glorious kingdom. A universe filled with joy and delight. Justice and freedom are in the kingdom of God. A future with no war and no calamity and no death and no sickness is found in the kingdom of God. Maybe you protest and you say, wait a minute. Anybody can do these sorts of things. Any group of people can begin to better the society in which it lives. But my answer to that is they have not. Maybe you say they could, but they have not. Look at civilizations where the gospel is not. Look at countries and kingdoms where the kingdom of God is not. Look at these nations and kingdoms where it's forbidden to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where it's forbidden to be a Christian. Where it's forbidden to worship God. Look at those countries and tell me they're civilized. And tell me that women are honored and children are valuable. And people who are created in the image of God are respected. You tell me that. You show me a country where God is forbidden. And there's peace. And there's streets. And there's hope. For the people. It is not. You may say they can. But they have not done it. Goodwill to men. Came into the world. With the birth of Jesus. Peace on earth. Was laying in a manger. Wherever there is hope. In any city or land. It's because Jesus is there. Our preaching. Our art. Our songs. Our community. Has enriched the world. Like no other kingdom has. When America was Christian, she was great. But she is apostate. And she's a curse to the earth. I know there are many good things we do. But there are far more cruel and bad things. Pornography, the sex trade, slavery, abuses, corruption, monetary manipulation. is shattering this world. And the world is growing more and more tired of America. Not because of our God, but because of our corruption. Because of our corruption. Our preaching, all the things that we have, is what's turned the world around. When America turned to God, she was a blessing to the world. When she turned from God, she became its nightmare. Leading the world in porn, and murder, and crime, and drugs, and slavery. 
Shut Jesus out of the public square. Silence the church and the darkness will take over. And it will burn down your cities. It will riot and loot your stores. And the police will do nothing about it. You will lock your doors at night and you will sleep with a gun beside you. And some of you can remember the day when you could sleep with your doors unlocked and your windows opened. And they could bring goods to your house and lay them at your door. And you didn't fear anybody coming to take it. But that day is gone. Not because the world has gotten so bad. But the church of Jesus Christ has invested itself in a business that God is not in. God is just not in it. So I say this to you. What do you do all day? What have you done this year? What sacrifice for the king have you made? What revelation of the church do you have? How much of the mind of Christ affects how you get out of bed on Monday and believe on Tuesday and fight on Thursday? What's become of your life? Because the king has brought you into his kingdom and made you his very own body. What has become of your life? What do you do all day? For this one short life, I know nothing that is offered to any man that compares with the privilege of serving the kingdom of God. I pity all men who have sought the refuge of this world to make them happy. And many of you who are nearing the end of your life are trying to hold on to that refuge. But God still lets you know. You got a great opportunity to serve the king. It's not too late. I have in my life and through my ministry watched the misery of the rich fall in my office devastated with depression and failure and had more money than you and I will ever have in a lifetime. And it did nothing for them. I have seen the agony of the famous. I have watched them desire to take their lives. Because everything they thought they would get was meaningless. I have watched the disinterested. The young people. The old people. Disinterested. Which would probably qualify many of us. Disinterested. With the kingdom of God. When the interest of his kingdom should provoke us to no end. And I think there's nothing that I've ever seen in this world that entices me to relinquish my service to the kingdom for some temporary glory of an earthly career. His kingdom is everything to me. There is no work more wonderful, no joy more full, no labor more rewarding, and no weariness more satisfying than working for God. What do you do all day? You don't have to do what I do. And you don't have to be like somebody else. But the question is, what do you do all day? How do you serve the king? How is God's kingdom dependent upon your life and the gift of the Holy Spirit that is in you? There's no other pursuit that has heaven like this. 
a king like this and a love like this. And it is this government that Satan seeks to dismantle. Because if this government of the kingdom we call the church can march through the earth in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel of Jesus Christ and banish demons, break strongholds, annul the covenants that cultures have made with Satan and set the multitudes free. then there's nothing in this world that troubles Satan more than a church united in the mind of Christ and seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. I beseech you to do that. I beseech you to do it. I close with this and Carly, if you will, just to come and to help me and to join me with this. Um, but I want to read Romans 1 as our text. Condition of the culture lies at the feet of the church. It's not dependent on the church. It's dependent on the church's faith. To receive the power of the Holy Spirit. To preach the gospel. No doubt you are worried about our culture. There's no doubt you are aware. Of the dangers of our city. The collapse of our nation. There's no doubt you're aware of this. And if you wonder why it is happening. Romans 1 is your answer. And he tells us in verse 21. Because that when they knew God. They glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. But became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. That's where it starts. That's not where it ends. That's where it starts. You know God. Every one of you in this room. You know God. And generations of Americans knew God. But there was two things they did not do. They did not glorify him. And they did not thank him. Oh they met. They met better than we do. Churches of the past. Everybody went to church. In the 1930s and the 1940s and the 1950s. Everybody went to church. Everybody professed Jesus. Not today. Oh, they knew him. They went to church. They read their Bibles. They taught their Sunday school classes. They were in their place. They sang their hymns. But they did not glorify him. And they were not thankful. Don't let yourself off the hook. The demise of our culture is also the redemption of our culture. For all it takes is not them, not her, not him. All it takes is for you to begin to glorify God and to thank him. Not 
with American Christianity, not with your denominational tradition, but in the spirit and in truth, according to the word of God, like I taught you last week. And when you begin to glorify and thank God, it begins to reverse the trend of the culture. But the church is not doing this nowhere. Not as a whole. I beg you as an individual, don't look at anybody else. You. You do it. If we don't glorify God and we don't thank God, this is what begins to happen. We become vain in our imaginations. We blame it on the youth. When it's the adults that create what's destroying the youth. And then their foolish heart was darkened that we get so depressed and so discouraged and so despairing that we think there is no way out of this. There's no hope. And then the decline continues. They profess themselves to be wise, but they become fools. And a fool is going to change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man. And so the decline is going to increase and God's going to give them up in verse 24 to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. They will dishonor themselves among their own bodies, homosexuality. And then they will continue to decline. It's not enough to change the glory of God. Now that we've changed the glory of God, let's change the truth of God. Verse 25. And they changed the truth of God into a lie. Then they worshipped the creature. So the decline continues in verse 26. God gives them up to vile affections. Their women changed the natural use into that which is against nature. So the men, leaving natural use of the women, burned in their lust to one another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meat. That means sexually transmitted diseases with no cures. Because God gave them up to that. He did not want to. But the declension and the demise of the culture is because, may I say it this way, you who knew God did not glorify him. You were not thankful. And then he says in verse 28, they don't even like to retain God in their knowledge. I don't even want to think about God. Don't preach to me. Don't bring God into this. You always got to talk about God. Christians say that. Not in here, because you have prepared yourself last night and all morning. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to get hammered. So I'm preparing myself to hear about God. No, it's when you're sitting together with your coffee table and people are just talking about life. And you're going to bring God up and how we should live. You're always talking about God. So the declension continues and God gives them over to a reprobate mind. Which describes our country. Verse 29. Filled with all unrighteousness, 
fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable and unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in those that do them. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are that judges. Because we're all guilty of this. Daniel had the foresight to be able to pray to God and not say of his nation, they have sinned against you. But Daniel said, we have sinned against you. He included himself in that repentance. And as, if we live pointing our fingers at them and they and those as the, as the culprit or the problem, then we are not wise and we are inexcusable. I, to reverse all of this for my country, my kingdom, my God, I must live in faith, glorifying God and thanking him. Can it be that simple? It has to be because we can't do hard things. And if the refusal or the neglect of glorifying, thanking God causes all of this, then to begin to glorify God and thank him reverses all of this because wisdom comes back and light comes back and power comes back and the worship of God in his proper essence is brought back. And God is lifted up when we glorify him and he's exalted when we thank him and God changes the environment. That's the hope of our nation. That's what the church did in the first century. And the decline of every civilization was a church on a different track than God. I say to us, let's get back on track. Let's get the mind of Christ. Be desperate for the Holy Spirit. Pray for God to give you fire in your spirit and in your heart for Jesus Christ. Don't let your sins keep you back from God. God has broken your covenant with death. And God has given you access to him to live. God takes delight in showing you mercy if you've sinned against him. The new covenant is where God says in Hebrews chapter 8, I show mercy to your unrighteousness. It's what God loves to do. Don't disqualify yourself when Jesus has qualified you. Serve your king. If you have not served him well to this point, serve him, serve him well from this point. Live your life. Exhaust yourself if you have to for the kingdom of God. You won't regret it. You may get tired, but you won't regret it. We're just going to open this time up as we come to the end of this year. This is our last service for nine o'clock until New Year's. I just want us to pray and rejoice and thank the Lord and pray that as a people of God, we could glorify him and we could thank him the way he's prescribed by his spirit, through his spirit, through the blood of Jesus. Worthy. Our God is worthy.